Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. This episode is sponsored by Modern Cowboy Performance Nutrition, the brand for cowboys and cowgirls. Get and stay cowboy fit this new year with the Cowboy Whey Protein. If you want to lose weight and gain lean muscle, the Cowboy Whey can help. The Cowboy Whey is available in delicious chocolate and creamy vanilla with 24 grams of protein, 160 calories, and only 2 grams of sugar. Get yours at www.thecowboywhey.com. And that's way spelt W-H-E-Y, hence the protein. And be sure and register on the website to get 10% off your order. Get and stay Cowboy Fit this new year at www.thecowboyway.com. And also, follow us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Performance. And I'll see you back at the ranch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Uh, I've got a guest on today. Uh, Really, really thrilled to have him on to talk to him. Was at the NFR here recently in Vegas, and I was uh, standing in line uh, like a little kid to get uh, an autograph from uh, Tuff Hedeman, who was at the, uh, I think, the Panhandle Slim booth right across from Jason's booth. I've got Jason Johnson on the phone from Project Canine Hero. It's a very cool organization. Uh, I'm going to let Jason tell us all about it. But uh, briefly, Jason has been a rodeo cowboy, served uh, our country in the military, and particularly in, in the canine uh, field. So um, without any further ado, I just want to welcome uh, Jason to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Morning, Jason. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you. So, you know, like I said, uh, you know, it was right across there from Tough when I when I met you. My wife and I actually came over, and met you, and talked to you. And, and I knew immediately I wanted to to have you on the uh, on the show to you know share with everybody what you're doing. Uh, if you want to just you know give us a back history on you, uh, how'd you get involved in in you know the cowboy and rodeo lifestyle, and uh, you know what led up to you know your military service and how you got involved with the uh, with the canines. Sure. You know, I grew up in a small town in Hadley, Michigan. It wasn't a rodeo town by all means. It was a farming community, a small community uh, where many of our parents were factory workers in, 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 the, in the automotive industry. I come from a General Motors family mm-hmm. and grew up there and knew my whole life I wanted to be a soldier. Uh, my grandfathers were in the war, World War II and Korean War. Uh, one was a Navy CB, one was Marine. And I knew at a young age I wanted to serve my country. So... I I went off and did that when I graduated high school in 1993, and and you know I just grew up a country boy. We didn't have rodeos where I grew up there in Michigan at that time, and so when I got in the army, um, I learned about the European Rodeo Cowboy Association, where a lot of military members were were doing rodeos with the local Germans, and uh, that sparked my interest a whole lot uh, back about 1994, 1995, and I started my. Uh, started my hand at saddle bronc riding it was uh you know an event that i thought i could probably do the best in. i was pretty athletic i did pretty well in the army uh you know as, as far as being in physical condition physical shape and was uh excited to get out there and and try my hand at that event and i did pretty good 
in the ERCA. I rode two years there and uh, got out of the Army in 98 and went to uh, Mr. Sankey's rodeo school up at uh, Charlie Lowry's place up at 4L Rodeo there in, uh, in Georgia and uh, did really well there. I came in second place and got my PRCA, uh, um, you know, just permit there in 98. And I rode a bunch of PRCA rodeos. But at that time, I was kind of on the fence of, you know, you know, back then you had to be, you know, like top 15, you know, just try to be making a living at being a rodeo cowboy. And I'm competing against like Billy Etbauer and Ty Murray, Dan Mortensen, Rod Hay, Tom Reeves. Mm-hmm. And obviously they are exceptional bronc riders and I was not an exceptional bronc rider. So, uh, but at least I can say I, I was in the shoot next to those gentlemen at one time in my life. And I went on to, uh, you know, I spent five years in the army as a military police officer and I went on to become a civilian police officer outside of Tacoma and eventually Yakima, Washington, and Washington State's a great rodeo state, and uh, really wanted to get into SWAT canine, and that's where I really focused on my career, so after five years in the military, I did 10 years as a SWAT canine officer, and I did some amazing things, and went on to uh, overseas to work in Iraq as the primary explosive detection handler for the ambassador, and I did three tours in Iraq, one Afghanistan, doing over 125 red zone missions, protecting our key personnel, dignitaries, and U.S. government uh, at all levels. Uh, came to the ATF 2010, became a lead instructor at our National Academy, trained thousands of explosive detection dogs for our country, went on to Homeland Security for two years as a, like an oversight field canine coordinator, uh, type of regional program manager position. And uh, after about 25, 24 years of doing that, I realized that, hey, um, these dogs I'm working with, all these dogs I'm training, who are protecting our country and, and saving American assets and American lives, they're not really being taken care of in retirement. There's no VA program for them. There's no system in place to help them with their medical bills. So I founded the Project Canine Hero Foundation in March of 2016. And uh, that's uh, how you met me there. We had our booth at the NFR. This is our second year of the NFR there at the Mandalay Bay. And now I, I have a children's book out. Uh, we have over 40 law enforcement and military working dogs in our program who have special needs who are a financial burden on our family and if you were at round seven of the nfr which i think you were yeah uh, we had a dog showcase we had a dog showcase there i was down with mr corley i was in the announcers booth at that round uh taylor a specialized search dog from the united states army who's in our program was honored at the beginning of round seven that night and those are the types of heroes that we take care of. And we take care of them by making sure that their medical care and the, the help that they need in retirement is received uh, through our foundation. Yeah, that, it's, it's so such a noble cause. Uh, what, what drew you to the, to the canine unit? I mean, did you always just have a love and passion for dogs? Or did something happen that just drew you into that world? Or how'd that happen? Well, I think that's all part of being the cowboy way of life. I mean, cowboys love animals and cowboys are patriots. And I was both. And so, you know, I've, I was never an exceptional horseman or horse trainer, but I became an exceptional dog trainer, one of the best known dog trainers in America uh, through my work with the government and, and all the dogs I've trained throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think the dogs are kind of like working with horses. You know, I I see a lot of similarities between working with a dog and a horse as far as timing, short, simple lessons, patience, um, you know, rewarding behavior, shaping behavior. And so when you, when you talk about that, there's a lot of similarities between the two. And 
you know, it was just to me becoming a, you know, I've worked all aspects of canine and I've trained all aspects in the canine uh, fields where that's, uh, you know, I started out in bite work, putting on the bite suit and being that decoy back in the 90s and worked my way up to uh, narcotics detection on the DEA task force. And then over the last 10 years, I've really excelled in the explosives detection. But I call it the most honorable profession in the world, uh, being a canine handler. I mean, being a canine handler, those are the people the cops call when they need help. When, when the police cannot figure it out, when they need assistance, they call the canine unit. Yeah. And uh, to me, it's just the most honorable thing I could do. And once you kind of get a little taste of it, you kind of realize that, you know, there's really nothing else out there you should be doing than, than having a career like that. Yeah. And it just, it just kind of as a side note, it just kind of uh, flashed in my head talking about, you know, cowboys and, and horses and dogs. And I think back to when I was a kid watching um, like Rin Tin Tin and, and then Roy, Roy Rogers had a dog. And I believe that dog's name was King, uh, a shepherd. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, John Wayne, you know, he had uh, his dogs in, in, in Big Jake and, and the movies he was in. Um, right. And, and again, I've had a lot of other people and other horse trainers, uh, you know, horse trainers on the show too, talk about the similarities between horses and dogs and, and how they're both, uh, you know, they want, they just want to please us, you know, and if, if, if it's done right, you can do amazing things with them, which you obviously have. Now, you know, in, in, in training the dogs, I just, just a question that I have, uh, you know, in, in being around, you know, uh, say like the war zones and the, um, the noises we, you know, we just had new year's and we've got this great little, uh, half Jack Russell terrier and half dachshund. And, and, and he's such a great dog, but man, he cannot stand the, the, the loud noises. How do you guys deal with that? Well, that's something we do in the procurement of the dogs, um, to test them out, loud noises, slick floors, crowds of people, friendly people, other animals, and I actually have developed a 100-point scoring system that I teach all over the nation to police canine trainers um, that I've published in a few magazines like um, Police Canine Magazine. And, you know, through that, we test them to make sure that they're comfortable with that. Now, at a young age, we can introduce them to those, those type of noises, whether that be gunfire, you know, whether that be uh, fireworks or, you know, a lot of times on SWAT, we use flashbangs. Um, but you want to do it in such a manner that it's introducing to them the right way just like you'd introduce a task to a horse the right way you want to do it in slow simple steps making it positive each time slowly increasing the uh the amount of intensity so there's a way to go about it but you got to be careful because if you just try to come out at full bore first time out and make it a bad experience uh, maybe and that might be something that your dog experienced at a young age um it may not be able to overcome that right gotcha yeah, we just adopted him back in um, was, uh, June of, of last year, and uh, of all you know, he's he, there's only two things with him: the, the, he can't stand the fireworks, and I can't get get him to stop uh, lifting his leg on some of the things in the house. Uh, so those are things I got to work on. With him. He is one loving, amazing, uh, amazing animal. So, um, so you started this. I mean, just pretty recently, 2016, and and you've got uh, right. How how many dogs now are you guys working with? Well, we're, so in 2016, I was still working for the federal government, um, kind of doing a, a program oversight for the nation, uh, part of Homeland Security. The passenger screening canines, which a lot of people are familiar with, you see them in the airports, uh, searching people for explosives before they get on planes. I worked in that program, and I worked nationwide doing that. And, you know, I actually became the person in government at that time that you would come to and say, hey, I went to the vet, and, you know, my dog's having these medical issues. And, you know, we need to look at retirement and, and I would be the person to process that paperwork 
retired dog, have you signed a hold harmless release? Mm -hmm. But also we took it out of funding that day. So what I learned was we're taking these dogs out of funding right when they need our help the most. And the government's washing their hands with them right, right when they're getting to the point where they medically can no longer work. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what really flipped the switch for me and said, Hey, I need to do something about this. So that's when I started project canine hero. Uh, you know, we, we specialize in medical care, food and death benefit assistance for the, for the dogs in our program. Mm -hmm. And I took $500 on my pocket and, uh, stayed in the government all throughout the rest of 16, trying to run all I could. We raised just under $50,000 that year, mm -hmm. quit, the government to, to do this full time um, on a volunteer basis in January 17, we actually raised over 535,000 last year. And then at the end of this year here, this past year, 18, we're, we're going to, we're going to do around 1.2 or $1.3 million in donations mm -hmm. through about 30,000 donors nationwide. So that is just uh, amazing growth for me. And we, we did that with not an office yet, uh, I just hired our first full-time employee to help me with the books and the record keeping, but that's just getting out there and telling people about your passion and what we do. And through that, we've helped over 40 uh, retired police and military working dogs who have had special needs. And when I say special needs, some of these dogs have been well over $10,000 a year. Um, some of them are over $1,000 a month. And if you're a soldier uh, who's getting out of the military, if you're a police officer working for the city or the county, you, you do not have that kind of money to put into your partner that, you know, $10,000 a year or a thousand dollars a month. Mm -hmm. That's expensive for anybody. And I don't, I feel that we, uh, we should be uh, covering that, you know, for these dogs for their service to our country. So uh, more than just, more than just being that voice out there with my background in the, in the military police overseas and federal government, I'm working with Congress. I was just down in DC last week. Uh, I'm working with Congress on some laws I want to change about, using some of the money we're seizing on our borders mm -hmm. in drug trade to mm -hmm. put some of the little bit of that into a medical fund for these dogs. Mm -hmm. um, so we can get some bills reimbursed. I'm looking at uh, letting military dogs who served our country still be able to go into a, a, a army base, a military vet and still get service for free, which they currently do not. They do not get any medical care after. So, you know, I'm trying to be more than just a person who takes in money and if an organization takes the money and gives it out, trying to, trying to affect change here, uh, the way we treat our retired heroes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I don't want to run down a rabbit hole here, but my, I had my dad uh, live with my wife and I here for the past two years. We, we got to where, you know, we couldn't take care of him at home anymore, but uh, he's uh, was in during the Korean war. And, and so I, I dealt uh, personally with the VA for a little over two years. And I can tell you, um, I was in the medical field and I was, I was in medical, uh, uh, med legal, the med legal aspect of it. And so, mm -hmm. so I know how to navigate, you know, the medical field and, and insurance and all that, but dealing with, with the VA, with our, with our uh, vets and dealing with my dad, I felt like if I didn't know, have the knowledge I knew, I don't know what, what you would do sometimes. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, and, and again, I'm just bringing that point up because I dealt with it personally. I dealt with it with my dad. I mean, I, I had to contact the, you know, uh, McCain's office a couple of times. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting, you know, that, you know, these dogs are in service all the time. And then when they're done, there's, there's no further benefits for them, which is, you know, kind of sad when we've got benefits that go a lot of other places. Uh, anyway, that's just my two cents. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a shame. I mean, they do so much for our country. I mean, uh, I've worked with over 1200 military working dogs and they all have amazing stories right. and stories of saving American lives, stories of saving soldiers lives. And, just the uh, amount of time we put into them, what they've done for our country, 
to simply wash our hands with them once they leave service, I think is absolutely absurd. And it's my goal in life, uh, just like we talk about being a cowboy, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to uh, be a leader. It's right. my goal in life to be that leader, to be that voice, and and to make those changes. And 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 I will, uh, I'll spend the rest of my. I, one of the quotes I always say is, "They spent their entire career protecting us, so I'm going to spend the rest of mine protecting them." Yeah, yeah, that's very very cool. Yeah, and and we were we t- we chatted a little bit before we started recording today uh, about that, just about you know being a cowboy and, and and being involved in it and and we were just talking about how you know just you don't have to wear a cowboy hat and cowboy boots to be a cowboy you know it's something that can be in your heart and just in in your your work ethic and uh you know what you believe your values what you uh give back and and you know and how you help support others that's cuz that's the cowboy way you know um i, I think it's just a, a great thing you're doing here now with these uh, dogs, do they go to different families? I mean, where, where do you guys take care of Matt? How, how does that work? What's that look like? Well, 90% of the dogs in our program and 90% of retired police and military dogs stay with their handler. Um, okay. you know, uh, and that's a misconception. A lot of people are saying, well, I thought they get to stay with their handler. Well, they do, but that handler also takes on any medical bills that that dog may come up with and they can't always afford that. These, these bills and these injuries could come from things that happened while in the line of duty. Right. So 90% are staying with their handlers and on our website at project if there's a handler out there, listen, who has a dog with medical issues, I can't afford. We have an application on there where they can apply. Now we do get the other 10% may need a home. And we, we do got several dogs in our program who needed a home heroes. Mm-hmm. We have Axel who travels with us. He's retired from the ATF special response team, one out of Detroit, Michigan. There's a dog that we probably put, you know, half a million to a million dollars into training. He did 200 high risk missions across the United States. Yeah. And he, he was on a special operations team doing all high level search warrants, things like hell's angels, outlaw biker gang, stuff like that. And, you know, when his service was up, it was up and, his handler was getting a brand new, you know, Malinois that he couldn't have both dogs in the home. And as much as he'd like to keep them, he couldn't. So he ended up coming to our program and he travels with us full time. We had him down at the NFR. Um, I don't think he was there the day you were, but we had, uh, we had a, uh, a sable German shepherd with us. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's Axel. Right. But, and we've had several in there. We've also, we also have ones, uh, we've helped. We had Sakar down there with us, a Malinois who, who was going to be put down in uh, Afghanistan from the government because behavioral issues that we've helped rescue get back here in rehab. So one of the big things I am doing, uh, I just bought uh, some property outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, a little bit of acreage. It's kind of just all wooded right now, but we're looking at building, building a rehab and rehabilitation and a rehoming facility for these dogs. That way, when these agencies call me and I have one right now, I'm working with customs and border patrol on who needs a home. When they call me, I have an immediate place. We have about six nice kennels there. In our admin office, they can come. Uh, I can spend a, a week or two, a couple of weeks with them, make sure that they're, they're, they're set to go back into a family and kind of recruit and vet out that forever home that uh, we can place this hero with to make sure it's being taken care of for life. Yeah, that's great. Really great. Yeah, and it's just amazing uh, to, you know, you can see how much people do care for it to grow as fast as it has in just a short amount of time since you started it. And and I, I'm sure that's taken, I mean, a lot of effort. I, I know that because I can, I can. Oh, absolutely. Feel yeah. your passion. I mean, it is, you know, we try to get on shows like yours and, and yeah. tell people what we do. Uh, 2018 flash, my former law enforcement dog in Yakima, Washington, she's 
14, almost 15 now. She was awarded the 2018 Law Enforcement Dog of the Year through the American Humane mm-hmm. that got us in Hollywood on the Hallmark Channel. We were, we were awarded that. We've been on the Today Show, Headline News. But that gets us on a lot of platforms to talk about what we do for heroes like her who, you know, Flash has Lyme disease now and uh, is getting older. And, you know, even though we have dogs in our program that sees millions and millions of dollars of uh, forfeiture and drugs and currency, and none of that money is being used to help them out. And that's where I think I can help make that change. But like I said, with our facility, you know, right now we build that program through individual donors and corporate sponsors. So any corporate sponsors are out there listening who wants to help build our rehab, your homeless facility and outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, we're always looking for that because we are a national 501c3. We are registered in all 50 states, but that's, you know, it takes that kind of help to make these kind of strides. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. For years, FSR Cattle Company has been known for their premium roping cattle used and endorsed by multiple world champions and NFR qualifiers. But did you know that FSR is also the home of quality rope horses for all levels, from professional team roping to the novice level? A trip to Weatherford, Texas and to the FSR headquarters will give you a variety of horses to choose from. FSR Cattle Company will arrange transport for your new horse back home and a free ride back to the airport for you. For your convenience, we accept credit cards for all horses found at FSR. We strongly believe in matching team ropers with horses they can work and win with. So when you back in the box on a horse you found at FSR Cattle Company, you know you're mounted to win. Visit us online at FSRCattleCompany.com or in the office at 817-598-1222 and let us help find your next winner. Again. That's FSRCattleCompany.com. So, um, you know, just to, to, talking about the cowboy stuff, and I always ask these questions, uh, you know, on, on the show. And, and like we were talking about before, you know, you don't have to be wearing a cowboy hat all the time or boots or to, to be a cowboy because sometimes you're in a suit, particularly if you're in Washington dealing with Congress. Um, but do you, have, do you have a favorite brand, a cowboy hat that, that you like? Or? Um. I do. I do. I, I, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't bought one in a, in a, in a couple, a couple of years, but, uh, I'm trying to think of all the ones I've had over the years. Um, you know what I like, um, you know, the Atwood hats have always been good to me. I actually lived down Eastern New Mexico for a while. Uh, lived in West Texas. I've lived in Washington state and, uh, I've always kind of like, uh, the palm leaf Atwood hats. Uh, you know, when you're out there, uh, I used to do a little ranch work out, out, out by Cloudcroft, New Mexico, out by Mayhill, if anyone knows where that is off 82 Mm -hmm. and uh, a couple million acres of ranches out there. I used to actually, actually help out on. And you know, that I just say the Atwood hat is a good value. It lasts a long time, not a lot of money. And they've always, they've always treated me well. That's very nice. How about boots? You got a favorite brand of boots or? Um, you know, I wear Twisted X. Oh, nice. Uh, I got them out. I got them out of the boot shop out in, uh, Clovis, New Mexico. Um, and I just like a, a good square toe boot, nothing flashy. Mm-hmm. It's got some good leather. Uh, the uppers are like a turquoise color, which, uh, you know, it's got that Eastern New Mexico feel to it. But, um, uh, the Twisted X have, uh, treated me well 
over the uh, over the years. I think when I was rodeo and I, I had a set of uh, old eighties. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's probably still alive somewhere with a rawhide, you know, rawhide on the back. Um, uh, they've always they've always treated me pretty well. Uh, lately, uh, I normally wear cinch jeans, you know, but you know now they come out with so many different different labels and things and uh different brands it's it's hard to keep up with all of them all but you know you go down to nfr in vegas and you every year it's something new down there so i usually try to get in with the with the latest stuff but i've probably had the same pair of boots uh the twisted x for uh at least eight years and i know i'm wearing the same hat for at least seven or eight years yeah that's cool very cool how about uh how about cowboy movies you got any favorite western movies or uh, Young Guns, oh, by yeah. far. Young, uh, Young Guns one or two or both of them? Well, both, but one for sure. I actually, I had a PO box in Lincoln, New Mexico, and as a young law enforcement officer, I always said I was going to be the sheriff of Lincoln County. Um, <laughs> my, and they knew me in Lincoln County. Uh, um, I was married a girl from that area, and uh, I was going to move back there at, at one time. She, she, she grew up there in Cloudcroft. Uh-huh. Uh, which is big time cowboy area. We've got a bunch of uh, several famous rodeo cowboys from in and out there mm-hmm. and that she went to school with uh, Brent Lewis being one of them. Lewis ranches. If you know who Brent is, oh, yeah. he actually lives, I think at Eloy now he, he grew up with her family and I used to run around down in those areas. And um, yeah, I always wanted to go back to Lincoln County and be the sheriff of Lincoln County. Had it kept a PO box there for years. So I could have a, 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 an address <laughs> established if I ever decided to run. Yeah. But, you know, my career got so big and going on in the federal government and overseas and sticking with the canine stuff. I never wanted to get out of canine and, you know, being a sheriff's all about politics. But uh, I could probably act out Young Guns 1, uh, you know, easily. The whole yeah. scene, every scene, I, I can act it out. Yeah. For, so well, Young Guns by far. Well, we could get together and, and do that whole deal because, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably one of my, my few talents is just quoting movies. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and I go, I'll go around quoting Young Guns on, uh, you know, all the all the time. Yeah, anytime yeah. I can fit it in. In fact, we were in St. Petersburg, <laughs> and I was trying to, I was trying to get a, a, a cake out of the uh, oh no out of the bakery, uh-uh, and I got him with cake. the uh, <laughs> I got him with the uh uh-uh, the Pendleton the uh, white cake the with the sweet frost. Yeah, so. I- I was the only person that I was the only person that knew what I was talking about, but at least I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, uh, that's hilarious because my, my wife, sometimes she just wants to slap me because I, I do it all the time. And me and my boys do it all the time too. And right. then, the other one I do all the time is, um, I don't think so, Dave, you know, when they were in mm-hmm. the, uh, in the uh, cemetery, you know, but anyway, right. yep. Oh God, that's too funny, man. And I've been to that cemetery. It's in uh, well, the cemetery where Billy's buried. I've been visiting several times in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. No kidding. And uh, yeah, I've I've uh, been down there a couple times when I lived out in Clovis. I'd I'd travel out through there, and I've uh, got to know as much as about the history as I could in that area. Living between you know, different parts of New Mexico and riding the ranches and hanging out with the ranchers there, mm-hmm. um, it's quite fascinating. It's always been great to live out there, but I've decided to call Chattanooga home, and and uh, it's just beautiful in Tennessee. Uh, you know, we got water, and rivers, and trees, and it's good hunting and um, you know, I, I, the Tennessee is just a, just a beautiful state. It's also the volunteer state. And now that I'm a founder of a nonprofit organization, Tennessee is a great state to run a nonprofit from. Yeah. Very cool. Now, do, do you have a, uh, did you have like a, 
you know, a, a dog growing up that you were super close with or, um, I did, I did. I had a, uh, from nine, so I was born in 75 from 1980 to 1993, 13 years. I had a uh, German shirt herd pointer named ginger and, uh, you know, German shirt pointer is known for their hunting and their bird dogs, but she was just a, a great family pet. And, uh, I grew up with her. Um, and, uh, she passed away my senior year in high school, right before I went in the army and, uh, just, just a great pet. So the German shirt pointer is what one thing that kind of led me on this entire path, which we use them now for passenger screening and explosive work. I, I procure them and we train them all the time for the government. Um, you'll see them in your airports. We're using, we're using quite a bit of German shirt pointers in, in, in my career field. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So, hey, um, how you just tell the listeners how they can get a hold of you, how they can, you know, uh, you know, find out about how they can help out. Uh, go ahead and just put that out here. Yeah. So obviously one of the biggest things we do is just spread awareness and, and do, uh, you know, we do different community events, but first one should check out our website at www.projectk9hero.org. Uh, every day I post on there and some of the coolest things and the greatest feedback we do get is I post receipts of the bills we're paying for the dogs in our program. And I think that level of transparency really helps with our donors. So if we pay a bill today, um, you know, I'll block out the uh, personal information and I'll show the bill, I'll show the dog, what we did for it. And I think people really get to understand that, Hey, this is an organization, you know, showing us what we pay. So I post that on our Facebook, our Instagram, my LinkedIn at Jason Johnson. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Project Canine Hero, and um, I think that really helps. Um, on our website is where we keep all of our heroes. Uh, if you go on our website, you can read about our mission or me as the founder, but most importantly, you'll see a drop down of states, mm-hmm. and we've got about 20-something states right now, but we're getting ready to add dogs in um, Ventura County, California, uh, Idaho, Florida, and one here in Tennessee, two of those being military working dogs and two of those being police dogs. So, you know, that's, um, you can read, everyone has a bio on there. You can read about that dog's history mm-hmm. and we have a shop. We have a shop, which you saw my booth there in Vegas. Yeah. We do a lot of brand awareness through our clothing. Um, we have, uh, shirts and hoodies. I have a children's book out called canine flash becomes a hero. Very successful children's book. I read that to schools all across the nation, thousands and thousands of kids a year. Right now, Flash is still alive, and I've kind of taken her off the travel schedule a little bit since we won the award last year. But I'm still reading the book quite a bit. Um, uh, we do I do corporate speaking, public speaking. So if you have your know, organization, uh, you know someone to want me to come out at and speak, uh, I do that. Uh, I do a lot of leadership talks at military academies. I've done several of those talk to our future about how to get in, you know, the military or law enforcement or how to be successful in this career field, which again, is all about being a cowboy, trying to help people out, trying to, trying to do the right thing, trying to be a leader. And, um, those are all different ways you can help, um, for those in the corporate field. Uh, again, we're always looking for corporate sponsors. And when I say corporate sponsors, my job as a CEO and the founder of this organization, isn't just necessarily looking for money. It's looking for a way that I can help promote your brand and you can help promote my brand. So I have several business deals with corporations, uh, let's say just like Mighty Morsels, who make, they're all Las Vegas, they make an all-natural beef treat. 10% of sales come back to uh, Project Canine Hero for each time someone buys a bag. So every end of the year, we get a check for them. Uh, Thin Blue Line, 
which I was making our bracelets on Thin Blue Line USA website. They're selling Project Canine Hero bracelets, like on their, with their regular law enforcement ones. $5 a piece, we get 100% of profits back off that. So Sport Dog Food up in New York, great company. They have a Project Canine Hero line of dog food. Axel's on the front and me and Axel are on the back. And we get a percentage of sales from each of that. So we're not just out here necessarily looking for someone to write us a check or make a donation. I'm looking for ways that I can partner with specific businesses, you know, that are dog friendly, military friendly, law enforcement friendly, and I can help promote that product. And in turn, they can help, uh, help us as an organization grow. Yeah, that's great. That's, it's super cool. Uh, just a, a great mission that you're on and, and, uh, and you're, and you're doing so well with it and you just should be uh, commended, man. And just, uh, awesome. So now how, how long were you in the military? Uh, how, how long were you? So I was only in for five years, uh, 1993 uh-huh. to 1998, spent three years in Germany. And that's where we were, I was talking about when I rodeoed over there, it was a good way to spend the time because we were young and poor and, mm-hmm. um, you know, didn't, didn't have a lot of money. So rodeo, and I think our entry fee is about, you know, they weren't much back then. They're like $50, $70. I think anytime I placed, I might've won $140 or something. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't any, any large amounts of money, but it, it was, it was a good way. We're so far from home, 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, I think it's thousands, 6,000 miles from home. I, I, I rodeoed all over Europe, uh, rodeoed in France, named France. Our stock contractor's name was Alan Jacobs. And, um, uh, he promoted rodeos throughout Europe and we had some, we had some European riders and we had some Americans and we had some great American cowboys that used to come over there and ride. Some of them were really good. And, uh, it kind of prepared me for, in you know, 97, 98, when I went, came back to the States and I tried my hand in the PRCA a little bit. Um, but again, uh, that five years in the military as when I talked to people that, that was a foundation for the, in my entire life, right? Mm-hmm. That, that just wasn't five years I wasted. That that got me on a path to get into civilian law enforcement, to be SWAT canine, which led me on the path to work for the government in Iraq and Afghanistan, doing you know the most dangerous of canine missions that I possibly could onto the ATF, onto Homeland Security. And I always say, you know, now 25 years in, uh, having started in September 93, that I needed every step along the way to get to where I'm at. Uh, you know, same with education. My, my parents wanted me to go to college right away. I wanted to go in the military. I got my four-year degree in 2005. So 12 years, you know, after I got my master's in 2009. So I still got it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so it, it took me, you know, uh, 16 years to get my master's degree. But since then, I have that, I have that experience background to back up the educational background where it's not just one-sided. And I think that's important in today's world. You want to have your operational and your experience level match your educational level level. And, um, for me, that's very important. And that's another way that, you know, we're out here able to talk about what we do and, um, use, use that background to our advantage as far as uh, educating the public and spreading awareness and talking to Congress. So, all of that's very important. And uh, uh, I'm just so grateful of all the opportunities I've had. Uh, just here recently in 2018, my, my high school inducted me into their um, Distinguished Alumni Hall of Honor, which was quite an honor. I, uh, I didn't even know such award existed. And, uh, you know, I graduated class of like 300, 330 kids or something. And I was like number 100 in my class. <laughs> so, you know, just goes to show you, it's not always this one with the best grades. It's not always the one that, uh, and I was the first one inducted from my, my, my era, my class. And, 
you know, it's, it's all about that military. You know, I think when I went in, people thought, you know, well, people who can't cut it in college go in the military. Well, leaders go in the military and the military makes you even a better leader. And so when I talk to kids about that and I go to these military academies or high schools and I, I talk about that, um, I'm not saying it's something someone's got to do their entire life, but if you do it and you take it for what it's worth and you make the most out of your opportunities there, um, it sure, surely leads you down a path of success for your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. You know, everybody in my family has been in the military, but me, and when I graduated high school, it was the Vietnam war was just ending. And, you know, the whole time I was growing up, I thought I was going to Vietnam because that's where everybody went. And, uh, sure. you know, but, uh, both my boys, they graduated. Uh, my oldest one went right in the Navy and my youngest one went right in the Marines. And, uh, it's just, it's, I wish I would have done it, but it, you know, at that time it just wasn't a deal. So it didn't happen, but you're so right. I mean, it, it can just really build a foundation for your future. And, uh, um, you know, plus you're serving your country. There's, there's just no more of a noble, you know, uh, causing that. So couldn't agree more. With right. You. And I'm sure you're very proud of your boys. I mean, oh, absolutely. Is, is raising men to serve our country, but it's, it's more than that. It's, it's about for me, you know, uh, now it's about helping your community and helping my yep. career field, which is the canine career field. Yep. And uh, I, I couldn't imagine my life doing anything but that. So I feel so, so honored just within my career. I feel that I'm in a, a good position with my background and my experiences to be the voice for these canine heroes and, and be a person who talks to Congress and be a person who passes laws. And um, all that helps us with our fundraising because yeah. people believe in you and believe in your mission. And I think it, being transparent with that is, is the best thing that I can do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Jason, I, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time and coming on and, and sharing your story with us, uh, sharing uh, what you're doing for um, all these canine heroes. And you're doing amazing work. Uh, I'm just happy to be able to have you on and showcase, uh, you know, you and your work and what you're doing with what we can do here to help promote you. And, uh, you know, just uh, wish you just continued success and look forward to seeing, you know, uh, just your, your, your organization grow here in the future. Cause I, I think that's the only way it can go. Well, I appreciate you having me on and it's such an honor to be on here with uh, looking over the list of uh, cowboys and, and uh, cowgirls that you've had on here just to be amongst that, you know, someone who didn't grow up a cowboy, but became one once you become an adult and, and I've tried to, maintain that lifestyle in the cowboy way, you know, over the last 25 years. And I'll continue to do that by serving my community and uh, giving back to our nation. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, and, and thank you for your service as well. And, and, you know, we thank all those dogs for their service and, uh, and everything you do for them in their uh, years after service. So um, again, just my hats off to you and, uh, and we'll be watching you in the future. Absolutely. And like I said, everyone can check us out at www.projectk9hero.org. Take a moment to follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Project Canine Hero. Uh, you can follow me on my LinkedIn and try to try to reach out to us and uh, like our page. You'll see all the things we're doing. Sometimes we have dogs on there up for adoption. We get a lot of questions about that mm -hmm. or see about how you can get involved in, in helping us in your community. Or if we have a dog in your community, maybe we can help them out. So I uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to meeting with you again in the next NFR and uh, talking to you in the future. Absolutely. Thanks again, Jason.
Thank you. Hey, I want to thank all of our listeners and sponsors of the show. Without you, the show would not be possible. We so appreciate the reviews and ratings, which increases awareness in our effort to grow the fan base of the cowboy, rodeo, and Western lifestyle culture. If you are new to the show or have been a listener for a while and have just not had the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, it's really simple. Just trot your pony over to the iTunes Apple Podcast, click on the show, scroll down to rate and review, and give us a five-spur rating. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher, as well as many other platforms where you listen to podcasts. Just type Modern Cowboy Podcast into the search bar to subscribe, listen, rate, and review. And if you are interested in being a sponsor of the show to showcase your business, DM us on Instagram at Modern Cowboy Podcast or message us on our website, www.moderncowboypodcast.com. But I give her hell, he never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn a few steers. And we'll tell a few lies Kick back in the saddle And philosophize Most of life's problems Yeah, we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke just ask Clint what he paid a rope. Now he's lost a dozen wives, half the fingers on his hands to the rope and pain. And it takes a little skill and a little luck. If you can talk smack, you can back it up. Oh, but we're all friends, no matter who wins, down at the rope and pain. Someday I just might be We'll turn another pin of steers Tell a few more lies Drink another beer And hypothesize Most of life's problems By God we're gonna solve them Down at the roping pen We'll see y'all again Next weekend down at the Roman Pen Down at the Roman